You're listening to Captivate and Convert, the weekly podcast created to show you how to attract the people you actually want to work with and get paid to do what only you can do. I'm your host, Christy Sigelski, and each week you can expect legit marketing tips, biz building strategies, and expert advice that'll help you ditch the grind and feel more aligned so you can captivate and convert your audience. If you're ready to grow your business without the struggle, you're in the right place. Today's episode is all about measuring the metrics that matter. And I know that looking at the data and the numbers is not the sexiest topic. And as creative business owners, we kind of like to avoid it like the plague. I'm totally raising my hand to that over here. But focusing on the important numbers as opposed to, you know, looking at everything you could possibly measure can really help you see what's working in your business and what isn't. And then it allows you to make decisions that will move your business forward and boost your bottom line. Now, my guest on the show today has some suggestions that'll help you figure all of that out. Donna Doobie is the founder of Productivity Plus, and our conversation today is all about how to match your mission and vision to the metrics you should be focusing on to maximize your time and your revenue. I highly recommend taking notes on this one. I know I did. And she has an awesome freebie to help you make sense of everything she talks about on the show. Hey, Donna, thanks for joining me on the show today. Thanks for having me, Christy. I'm so excited to share with your audience. Yeah, well, I'm excited to learn from you because I'm admittedly not a numbers girl. (laughs) And I know that you help your clients really maximize their profits by looking at certain metrics so they can make informed decisions about how and where they're spending their time, right? Now, looking at the numbers is not always the sexiest thing. (laughs) And a lot of creative business owners avoid it at all costs. I'm raising my hand over here. (laughs) But, you know, if you, I think that you believe that by tracking the right data, We can stop wasting time on activities that maybe aren't really generating the revenue so we can focus on things that will boost profits. A hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to learn what you have to say. And I'm definitely here for spending time on what matters for sure. So to kick things off, I just want to give you the floor so you can tell everyone listening how you came to do what you do. Great. Thanks, Christy. So yes, I started in the online business world about four or five years ago and actually started as a VA because that was the thing to do. And so I found it very enjoyable working with business owners. I really liked working online, but I found that working as a VA was not really my zone of genius. And so I quickly moved more into project management and operations side of things. And that's when I started really looking at numbers. And so it really happened because of a client I had. She was spending a lot of time on social media on all the platforms and not really knowing what was working. And so whenever we were going to launch anything, we had to have social media posts for everything everywhere. Her decision was, I don't really have enough time for this. So I think maybe I'll hire somebody else to help. And so it was at that point I said to her, What happens if we take a step back and look at our data and see what our data is showing us about our social media efforts? And it was really surprising what we found. And what we found was that most of our audience was coming from Facebook, 
However, most of the people that were actually converting and buying were coming from Instagram. The other platforms, we were barely getting any engagement or conversions on. And so once she had that knowledge, she was like, oh, well, this is great then. I don't have to worry about Twitter and TikTok and all these others. Actually focus on Instagram where I am getting my conversions. And so once she did that, she her revenue just skyrocketed because, again, she was putting her efforts into where it counted. Oh, that's interesting. So, I mean, I know that there are a whole lot of things that go into sort of, you know, where people are coming from and, you know, where your audience is hanging out and all of that. And, you know, there's also the the side of it of like, kind of what do you like doing, right? Like, what do you like spending your time on? But before we kind of, you know, get too much into all of that, in your experience, why are we so averse to looking at the numbers just in general? Yes, good question. So I think it comes from a lot of things. I think, first off, a lot of pe- business owners think that looking at the numbers involves math. Many of <laughs> yes, us, yes, yes. <laughs> and many of us think we're not good at math, and therefore we shouldn't look at our numbers. But really, it doesn't have to be that way at all, which I'll explain in a few minutes. We'll get into that. But I think that's sort of the number one thing that I see is that, well, I don't like math. I don't like numbers. And I think the second problem is generally, typically, if we have an accountant or a bookkeeper that we're working with in our business, they're showing us, you know, profits and loss statements. They're showing us spreadsheets. And if we don't understand what we're looking at, those spreadsheets can be very overwhelming and very confusing. And again, we just want to turn away from the numbers. Definitely. I think it's it's also kind of, when you start like peeling back the curtain and all of that stuff, there are really a lot of different numbers we can look at, right? And it's kind of overwhelming to think about, okay, well, where do I even focus my efforts? Because you can't do everything and not everything matters. So that kind of leads me to my next question. So what data should we be tracking? And, you know, what don't we really need to worry so much about? Can you sort of put it in the context of like, maybe most important to least important? And maybe it depends on your your niche or your industry too. So, you know, if, if you can speak to that as well, if that sort of makes sense. Yeah, does 100% make sense. So you're right, Christy, there is so much data in our world today. We're, we're practically swirling in the data. And We can't measure it all. Well, we can measure it all, but then it hasn't really helped us because we have so many numbers. We don't really know what is important and what isn't important. And so I believe it's Albert Einstein had a quote, something about everything that can be counted doesn't have to be counted. And so really, yes, we have to narrow down what needs to be counted for my business versus what needs to be counted for your business, and then focus on tracking those things and not worrying about what others are doing or what we think we should be tracking. And so there is a process to go through to figure out, you know, what's most important in your own business. But in general, there are certain core pillars, I would say, that everyone should be tracking some data in. And you don't want to be tracking, you know, 25 things. If you're tracking 8 to 12 metrics, that's enough. And those metrics can change over time as your business grows and changes. But really, just focusing on 8 to 12 max is enough to start with. And so the three core areas that businesses need to focus on is marketing, 
operations, which is your back end, where your team is, your systems and your processes, and then your financials, obviously, because this is not a hobby, this is a business. <laughs> and so those are sort of the three core areas where I suggest business owners start in terms of what they should be tracking. The things that we don't want to be looking at are things that I would call vanity metrics. So things like how many likes we're getting on social media or how many people commented on our post. While those things are good for engagement, those aren't bringing in revenue. And so really, it's more important to look at how many people came from my social media posts and then converted, either booked a call with me if that's your conversion or signed up for a lead magnet if that's your conversion or a sale if that's what you are looking for out of the post. And so being able to track those conversions is more important than how many people liked or saw your post. Yeah, there's definitely the tendency we have to to think, you know, more followers is better and more likes is better. And I think sometimes, of course, there's the, you know, the vanity part of it, like it looks good, right? But I think also a lot, a lot of people think, well, you know, the more, the the bigger numbers I have, the more people are seeing what I'm doing and there's a, you know, better chance that I'm going to get some sales out of that. But it doesn't always work that way. And of course, we know like the way the algorithm is always changing. Yes. The amount of people that are actually in your audience sort of seeing what you're talking about is always changing and always, it's just, it's different all the time. And we can't, it's almost like you can't keep up with it. Right. <laughs> So in terms of marketing, like that was, that was one of the areas that you talked about focusing on. What do you generally recommend people focus on in terms of marketing their business? Yeah. So there's a few areas. So in terms of traffic, you want to know in general, where is your traffic coming from? So how are people ending up on your website to begin with? Are they coming through social media? Are they coming through emails because they're on your email list? Are they coming? Are they just naturally Googling you and you have a fairly high SEO? So you are coming up when they're searching for certain things. And so tracking where people are coming from is important because once you know where you're getting the bulk of your traffic, you can then focus more energy on that. So that's one of the key areas. That's embarrassing because I honestly never look at where my website traffic is coming from. Yes. <laughs> never, like never. Yes, it's true. And most people don't, right? And then along with that is not just where your traffic, but then how is that leading to conversions? So depending on what you consider a conversion, that's also important because like I gave the example at the beginning, you could have a lot of traffic coming from a certain source, but they're not actually converting. And so, you know, you can dig further into that. Well, hmm, is it that my audience on that channel is different? Is it because I'm, you know, doing different kinds of posts on that channel? Somehow I'm not reaching them the same as I am with Instagram, for example. And so, you know, you can certainly dig deeper into that to find out why. And really looking at the data is really just analyzing the data, making changes to the way you're doing business, and then reanalyzing the data and saying, okay, did what I, what efforts I made, how I changed it, what kind of effect did it have? Yeah. I, I think that brings up a really good point. So it's kind of, I can sort of see like, what I do, where that comes in. And, and in terms of data, you know, what I look at when I'm looking, when I'm working with a client is like, okay, if we're working on website copy, well, I don't focus so much on where the traffic's coming from because that's really not my job. My job is like, well, once they get to your website, 
where do we want them to go? What actions do we want them to take? Right. And if they're, if they're coming to your homepage, you know, generally we want them to stick around there. We want them to go to your about page and learn more about you. We want them to move on to your services page and learn more about what you do. Then we want them to either sign up for your mail, your email list or book a call. So there are certain things that you're looking at there that don't necessarily have to do with, you know, how the people are getting there. It's what, it's what they're doing afterward. But if you don't have the ability to separate that out, then it's really hard to, to fix the actual problem because you have to really specifically know like where things are misfiring for right. people. 100%. Yes. And so, I mean, Google has granted us with Google Analytics. Yep, they're spying on us. But really, we can get a lot of data behind the scenes there about how people are getting to us and exactly like you said, what they're doing when they do find us. And so another example is, for example, if you're in the middle of a launch with a client or for your own business, it would be important to see your sales funnel data and say, okay, this many people are getting to my sales page. From that, this many are getting to my checkout page. Oh, but look, a lot are abandoning the cart, right? And so if you can be tracking that while you're going through the launch, that's helpful. But even after the launch, there's lessons to be learned on how you would do things differently the next time. Yeah, definitely. I think that's so important because I've seen so many people who they might have launched something before that, you know, quote unquote, didn't work. And they'll come to me with this new thing. And, you know, they've done all the research and whatever, but they never looked at the numbers from the last thing. And they just abandoned it, thinking it was a bad program, or it wasn't what their audience wanted. And sometimes those things are are true. But if you don't look at, you know, where things went wrong, you're never going to know you know, what you could have tweaked and and possibly like, then you wouldn't have to start all over. I think so many times people just scrap the whole thing and start all over because they don't look at the numbers. Yes, I agree 100%. And I had a client in that exact situation where she did have a launch and it wasn't, as you say, as successful. And I mean, it's hard to talk about, right? Because they, you know, they feel down and they're a failure when that happens. But if you can get them to look at that data, it's so enlightening because what we found with her was that the launch wasn't so great. So we looked at, okay, how were people coming, desktop or mobile? And it turned out that a lot of her members were coming from mobile. And when we dug into the mobile sales page, we hadn't looked twice, I guess, at it. And the the video that was describing the product and the CTA button was way down the page. People weren't clicking because it was so far down, they weren't bother scrolling. And we probably yeah, lost a, a lot simple of fix, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Simple fix. And it wasn't the product. It wasn't her. It wasn't her strategy. It was just like, okay, oops, <laughs> we needed to put that higher up. Yeah. Well, and, and something else that just sort of came up for me that's, it's a little bit off topic, but it's also like defining what is a successful launch, right? Cause like there's so much noise out there about, oh, six figure launch and having a six figure launch and a seven figure launch. But if you're launching your first or even third program, <laughs> you know, you're not necessarily going to have a six-figure launch. And I think that that's like what the bar is set at. That's what the metric is set at. And just because you're not hitting that number doesn't mean it's not successful. Regardless, like you could always sort of look at what happened and, you know, take that to kind of tweak things for the next time around and, and do a little better and do a little better every time, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but it's true. There is this outside pressure that, you know, we have to reach a certain bar. And I think that's not the way to go about it. I 
much prefer to work with clients from a strategy perspective and say, okay, in terms of financials, what is your good, better, and best for the next 12 months, for the next six months, right? Don't worry about what the other guru is doing and what your business bestie is doing. This is your business. Where were you last year? And what do you want to do with it this year? And really focus on that. And let's see, can we meet the good? Can we meet the better? Maybe the best, (laughs) right? And not, you're right, like don't try and pay attention to that noise because it really can bog you down and feel like you've been a failure, even though you might have passed your good. Definitely. You're good. I love that, especially because, you know, Another piece to that whole equation is that we're not seeing the whole picture. You know, when if somebody reports like, oh, I had a $150,000 launch, well, that oftentimes they're not mentioning what it costs them behind the scenes. So what what's the actual profit that they took away from that? And that's, I think, kind of going back to your point of looking at the numbers is really important because that tells the story. It's not somebody's, their their great headline says. That's yes. really not the number that matters. The number that matters is the bottom line. Exactly. That's right. And they may have had, you know, a team that was three times the size of yours to reach those numbers, right? Definitely. And so that has to be taken into consideration as well. If you know an email funnel is the missing piece in your marketing strategy, but hiring a professional copywriter like yours truly isn't in the budget just yet, I have just the thing to help you DIY the entire thing in a weekend. I created the Instant Funnel Bundle to help you craft emails and sales pages that connect, captivate, and convert. See what I did there? So you can start filling your one-on-one and group program spots without providing value in Facebook groups all day and sliding into people's DMs hoping to snag a client. And the Instant Funnel Bundle comes with everything you need to just get it done already. I'm talking a brand voice and messaging guide, a welcome sequence swipe file, four sample nurture emails, promo sequence swipe files, long-form sales page swipes, and a sales page design template. So you literally get 45 pages of swipe files and templates for $77. Now, if you want to go get your hands on it, the link to the sales page is in the show notes. So go check it out. So now you work with your clients to create a strategy to help them focus on the key performance indicators that will move the needle most in the next 12 months for their business. So can you talk a little bit about that process and maybe share some of the outcomes you can expect from focusing on those numbers? Yes. So what I like to do is dive deep with clients right from the get-go. And so I start working with them on their mission, vision, and values. And I know some in your audience might be rolling their eyes right now going, oh, I don't want to think and look at this. But really, if you can take the time to start there, it makes the world of difference. Because once you know what your mission is, and you know your vision for the next six or 12 months, then you know how to set up your goals and where you're headed, you know, where you are now and where you want to go. And so that makes the whole thing a lot clearer because you're not then just jumping from one thing to another, or you've got a bright, shiny object syndrome and you think, oh, let's do that. Oh, let's do this. You've got a clear plan on where you want to go. And so I start with the mission, vision and values. And with that vision, we say, okay, this is where you want to be in 12 months. What projects do we need to focus on to get you there in 12 months? So whether it's making a new course, if you're a course creator, starting a podcast, if that's in your realm, increasing your marketing, 
through paid ads. Maybe you've only done organic before, you know, those types of things. And so from those projects, we can then measure what your key performance indicators or KPIs are. And so let's say one of your projects is to start a podcast. Then we're going to put a measurable goal on where we want to be in six months. So it's not just that we started the podcast. No, we've started the podcast. We have an episode every week and we have X number of listeners, something that can be measured as an example. When you're kind of putting these, putting these goals together, is it generally around like an income goal or a client goal? Or I know you just mentioned the podcast, so that's a little different. That would, you know, probably be like you're looking for a certain number of downloads or a certain number of, well, yeah, that's the best, that's the best measure for a podcast, I guess. But so does it kind of vary depending on the client or is everybody pretty much focused on, you know, I want to make X amount of money. What do I have to do to reverse engineer that? Yes. No, it varies per client. And there are actually seven strategic objectives that even the big businesses like Apple and Tesla and all the rest of them have for their business. And so financials is one of them. But also marketing visibility is one of them, client or customer experience, product development. And so we go through each seven of those when I go through the strategic planning with them. And so we lay out projects that are most important for each of those. Now, some of them are going to be more high on the list, a top priority, right? Obviously, financials for most businesses is high on the list. But it's not just, well, I want to make more money. It has to be something measurable and say, okay, this was your profit last year. Where are we looking for your profit to go in the next 12 months? And so we put an actual number on it, a good, better, best, for example. If you're looking at your team and the operations, well, I need more systems in place because a lot of things are, my team is doing a lot of heavy lifting on. And so we would look at, okay, what team members do you currently have and where do you want to go in 12 months in terms of the number of team members you have and what they're working on? And so what we try to do is pick three or four top of those strategic objectives as your priorities and then base projects based on those. Yeah. I love that it's that. Well, first of all, I love that you're talking about good, better, best, because I think that focusing on one, just one number can be so daunting and, and it doesn't really give you the whole picture of, of, you know, what's working just if you don't hit that and you, and you think you failed, I think good, better, best is a much better way to manage those expectations. But also I, I love that you sort of are looking at the whole picture because yeah, we all are doing this because we want to make money, but there are so many other things that are involved in sort of the whole experience of running a business and feeling good about it, you know, and feeling like, it's working for you in your life. And I think when you're so hyper-focused on, you know, the income goals or the sales goals, it can really kind of suck the joy out of a lot of it. (laughs) So true, right? And so I've even had clients and one of their goals was to have more white space in their calendar, right? 20% of my working hours is not going to be booked, for example. You know, that's free space for me to do things with my family, do things with myself, exercise, take a walk, whatever it is, but not to to book your calendar. And it sounds simple when we're sitting here, but we all know if we've gone back and looked at our calendars, we've had weeks where we were overbooked, right? And so it's just sometimes it can be simple things like that. It doesn't always have to be about the money. Yeah. 
Well, and, you know, I was just having this conversation with a guest the other day about, you know, sort of my, my sort of mission has become really about redefining success because I think so many of us, especially as women, as moms, you know, we go into business for ourselves because we have these certain desires, right? Like we want to be there for our kids or we want to be able to work and travel with our families or whatever the goal is. And that is kind of what we go into it thinking, oh, if I can make this happen, that would be amazing. I will be successful. But then the shift changes when we get in this online world because, you know, there's so much focus on making six figures in six months and all of the headlines that you hear out there. And and it's like, it starts to change you, the way that you're thinking about it. And really like, if you kind of take a step back, if you're in business for a couple of years and you haven't hit that six figure goal yet, but you know, you have hit the goal of like, oh, I can pick up my kid from school every day. Or, you know, I have the ability to travel with my family at the drop of a hat. Like whenever they're available, I don't have to ask my boss for time off or whatever. Like then you are successful. You know, that's what you wanted going in, but it just sort of got clouded by all of the noise out there. And that's why I just, I think sort of being able to, to really like take a step back and look at, you know, what your, what your goals are for yourself, for your business is really important. It's not so much about paying attention to what everybody else's goals are or what they're doing, what yeah. they're measuring. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent because who said that we all had to be in business and reach a certain magic number to be successful, right? For many of us, we, we may not even need that kind of income. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's like, I, I always feel like I need to say <laughs> that it's not about that money is bad or that it's not okay to want to make more money. That's, that's not at all what, what I'm getting at. And everybody, of course, is in a different situation and a single mom is probably going to have, you know, a higher income goal or more need than, than somebody like me who, you know, my, I don't have little kids at home anymore. My husband owns his own business. Like I'm in a different phase of life, you know? So it's, I think it's just, that's why it's important to sort of be able to really dial it down to what your needs are and what your wants are. Yeah. hundred percent. And that's what makes it individual with the strategy sessions is that, you know, if I have a strategy session with you, it's going to be completely different than with the next business owner. Because where you are now and where you want to go could look completely different. And, you know, it's about your business, but it's also about your personal life. Because for some people, you know, they're building this business up with the hopes of wanting to sell it one day. That's very different, like you said, versus, versus somebody who's just, you know, has a quote side hustle and is enjoying helping people in the process. Yeah, definitely. So let's talk about these one-off planning sessions that you have. So I know... You know, you offer these sessions to help people sort of figure out which data points they need or they should be paying attention to to really drive their business forward. So can you can you talk a little bit about your process and what's involved in that? Yeah, definitely. So it's really simple in terms of their side. Just need to book a call and fill that a little form. And then from there, we book our strategy sessions. So the strategy session takes about two or three Zoom calls. I like to break it up because it can be a lot if we do it all at once. And so two or three, depending on where they're at. Some people already have a clear vision and mission. And so that part we can just review and and go from there. Other people need to spend a little more time on that. And so that's why sometimes we need the three calls. 
And so it's basically, I'll walk you through the process of going through the seven different strategic objectives. And from the business owner's standpoint, it's a little bit of an interrogation, if you will. (laughs) It's a chance for me to do a deep dive into you and your business in a very short time. And so it can feel a little bit like me asking a lot of questions after question after question. But it really does bring a lot of clarity to the process when when we do that. And so then from there, once we've picked your, your top priorities and we know what projects you want to be working on, to fill those top priorities. Then we try and set out measurable goals or KPIs for each of those projects. And then from there, we say, okay, now how can that be measured? Well, I can get that data from Google Analytics. I can get that data from over here. And so then I go to work in building what I call a dashboard, which is a visual representation of the questions or the mar- the metrics that we want to measure for your business. And so that'll come out in three or four different pages. We use pie graphs, we use tables, we use charts. And so it's visually appealing, but also you can quickly look at it and get an idea of the health of your business and the pulse of your business and where you're at. I've got trends because we show the comparison of say 30 days before, where were you at on this metric compared to now? And so we can see trends and patterns when we look at that dashboard. And then what I suggest business owners do from there is to analyze their dashboard every month. We can do it more frequently if, you know, something comes up like a launch and we want to be looking more closely. But certainly a lot of these metrics should be looked at monthly at the least. And so I will then meet with a business owner every month and review the dashboard. Okay, this is what we're seeing. This is what I'm seeing over here. Did you do something different over here? Oh, look, this was really great over here. What can we do to increase our numbers as we're moving forward on those different metrics? Okay. Now I'm curious, when you're looking at all this stuff and you're coming up with a plan, in general, how often is it something that you need to tweak or change? Like, is it just maybe yearly or, you know, is it when you're... I don't know, just pivoting in your business? Like, yes. When, when do you, when do you maybe look at different things? Yeah. Good question. So I prefer to do the strategic planning every six months, at least if someone's willing every quarter, especially if their business is really in a growth, you know, stage and they're really expanding, then certainly every quarter works as well, but at least every six months, because we all know our online business isn't the same now as it was when we started. (laughs) And so it does change our focus changes and, you know, things that we want to work on. Because let's say, for example, one of your priority priorities was to start that podcast. Well, now we've got it started, we're going to have different goals than at the beginning. And so we do that planning session every six months, and then redo, not redo, but reframe the dashboard so that it's now showing the data that's most important to us for the next six or 12 months. Yeah, that makes total sense. So where can our listeners find you if they want to learn more about this process or get some information on booking a session with you? Yes. Okay. So I have my website, which is productivityplusva. Dot ca. I'm sure it'll be in the show notes because I know it's a long name. Yes, <laughs> I'll, I'll put it there for sure. For sure. So they can find out information there. I also have a guide that might be helpful for your listeners, which is 10 KPIs or key performance indicators that we've been talking about that you can start measuring today. And so these may not be your perfect 10, but it's a good guideline for most businesses on where to start. 
So they cover a bit of marketing, a bit of operations, and a bit of financials. And so if you would like to have a look at that, you can find that on my website as well. 10 KPIs you can measure today. That is awesome. I will definitely put the the link to that in the show notes. I think that's a fabulous tool and it's a great place for people to start. Yes. Awesome. Are you ready for the Christy questions? I'm ready. Let's bring it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, I'm so like I'm dying to ask you this one. Okay. So you're a mom of teens. And although I'm, you know, just barely out of that stage with my own kids, I remember how freaking hard it was. Especially with one of my girls who she really gave me a run for my money, but I'm not going to name any names. (laughs) What's been what's been a high point and a low point of momming teenagers so far? Oh, good question. They're not listening. So you can say whatever you want. Yes, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) So just for some background information, my husband and I decided to homeschool our kids. And so we are still homeschooling our teenagers. So that's sort of another side to to my... Yeah, that's like a whole nother can of worms, huh? Yes, that's right. So (laughs) I would say the high point is I've really enjoyed being able to have the discussions with them about life, about making decisions, about choosing friends, all those sorts of things where we can actually sit down. Of course, it's always late at night when I want to go to bed, but... Where we can have, you know, really good and deep discussions that we couldn't necessarily do when they were younger because they just weren't at that maturity level. And so that's really a high point, I think, that I've been able to to have with them and just be able and to Are they open to it? Like are they are they pretty like into that or do they are they like, oh mom? Yeah, it you know what, it depends. I find my daughter very much so into it. My son a little bit less, but once we get if we can start the discussion, then he then he does get into it. Usually I just have to give him some warning that, okay, you know what? I think maybe on <laughs> Saturday we should talk about this. So if he knows it's coming, he's a little more open to it. But yeah, I think for sure that would be my high point. Low point, I think it would be, for me, just struggling with letting go and allowing them to make some of their own decisions and yes. what were the consequences of those decisions. <laughs> That is hard. That's really hard. It's even hard like when they're in college and not in your house every day. I I find that really the hardest thing. Yes. Yeah. So that's for sure a low. And I think it's, you know, it's more about me than them, really. But, you know, I'm a planner. I've always been a planner and my children not so much. And so I kind of have to let go a little bit now. Whereas when they were younger, I could say, okay, come on, we're doing this, 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 you know, make sure we get everything done on my timetable. But now I have to let them do it on their timetable and it doesn't match mine. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I, you know, it's funny, like when you're talking about having the discussions, I remember that I was always trying to sort of create these like, you know, magical moments where we could have these amazing discussions and talk about life philosophy. And it never went down that way in our house. It was always like, it would be at the weirdest moments that these things would happen. Like, I don't even know, on on the way, you know, in the car, on the way to dance or, (laughs) you know, just some some random time. It, It was it was never something that I could plan for, you know, to to have like this amazing deep conversation. But I don't know. It it was always it was always nice just the same, but it, it was just funny to me how I think we kind of can set up in our minds how things are supposed to go and 
at least for me, nine times out of 10, it's never how it happens. Yes, so true. Because I think we think, oh, we're wiser and more knowledgeable than them. We'll be ahead of them. But sometimes, even though I thought I knew what was going on, certain situations, I didn't have the full picture until they started talking. So I'm thinking that I'm ahead of them, but no, they are ahead of me. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely having teenagers is it is, teaches you some things, I guess. Yes, for sure. Well, this has been lovely, Donna. Thank you so much for being on the show. I will make sure to put the links to your website. Is, is the link the same for your freebie? Yes. Yes. Okay, good. Because I, I, that's an amazing resource and I so appreciate you sharing that with us. Thank you. Well, I'm glad to be able to share and come on your podcast. I do enjoy listening to your episodes. So it was fun to be able to be on the other side. Oh, thank you. Hey, hey, thanks for tuning into the podcast today. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love for you to support the podcast by leaving a five-star review and subscribing and sharing it with your biz besties. Your ratings and reviews help us reach more listeners who want to leave hustle mode behind and grow their businesses with ease. And don't forget to post a screenshot of this episode on your IG stories and tag me at Christy Sigelski so I can repost you. If you want to take the guesswork out of what to say in your emails and how to say it in a way that resonates with the people you actually want to work with, you need to grab my brand new freebie. Now, you've probably heard me say this at least a hundred times, but connection is what leads to conversions and making your subscribers feel seen and heard is the key to making that connection and building the relationship. So I put together a sweet little guide for you that breaks down my connect, captivate and convert framework, which teaches you how to become biz besties with your subscribers and gives you the goods on converting them to clients organically. Now, because I know the next logical question is probably what should I write about in my emails? There's a bonus section with a list of newsletter ideas that's going to give you swipeable email content for months. This is honestly the most value-packed freebie I've ever created, and I really can't wait for you to get your hands on it. So if you're ready to write emails that sell without all the bro marketing mayhem, go grab the free guide, How to Write Emails That Sell, plus 20 must-read newsletter ideas at the link in the show notes.